Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 127th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am the editor-in-chief of the site. And before we get into this podcast, um, I want to just take a minute because on the day we are recording this podcast, which is Thursday, September 29th, 2022, today marks the 13-year anniversary of thepopbreak.com, a site that I started while my girlfriend was impatiently waiting for me uh, to go to dinner in my apartment down the Jersey Shore. Um, of course, that girlfriend is now my wife. Uh, and I just want to thank every single person who has clicked on a post, listened to a podcast, or looked at a photo on thepopbreak.com. Without you, and there are have been millions of you across the literal world that have done this, thank you. Because without you, the opportunities for us to be around for 13 years and the amazing opportunities that we have had over these 13 years uh, would not be possible. I would also like to thank, I, you could go to thepopbreak.com and check out the written version of this, but I'd also like to thank every single person who's ever contributed a word, a photo, or recorded a bit of audio, or even edited a bit of audio or video for us over the past 13 years. Um, this site started as a creative outlet for myself and one of my best friends, Brent Johnson, uh, back in 2009, two uh, reporters and editors who were creatively frustrated, uh, who decided to start a terribly named blog, uh, the B&B Entertainment Blog, Bill and Brent's Entertainment Blog, the worst name ever. And we decided to just make that. And because of so many people, it has evolved from this horribly named blog into an internationally read and listened to pop culture magazine. It has been an intrinsic part of my life for the last 13 years. And um, I'm here at least till the wheels fall off. And every person that's ever worked for this site has not only helped make this site what it is, but it's helped me as a writer, as an editor, as a boss, as a person. I know I can be uh, difficult. Uh, sometimes to work with uh, due to many reasons. Uh, but this site has afforded me so much and I have been able to see so many people um, throughout the years, even though I, even though they might be older than me, they are my kids in a lot of way. I am father of one, but I am also a father of many. And I am so proud to see so many of the people who have written and worked on this site, go on to such great things, get married, have kids, go on to great careers, and do great things and even be with us here today. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, it means the world to me. And one of the people who has been with me on this ride for nearly a decade is such a piece of shit, but I love him to death. He is uh, as much of a part of my real family as he is a part of my pop break family. Um, I almost fired him because he didn't do a couple of assignments in a row. Now he just bugs me to do stuff, but I have to do the stuff for him. He comes up with the ideas. I have to execute them like a good managing editor should. Actually, it's what I should be doing and he should be doing the work, but we don't let, uh, we don't let facts get in the way of a good story. I was the officiant at his wedding um, and he is a, soon to be a double dad, the managing editor of the pop one of my best friends, Al Manorino, you 
fucking asshole. Welcome to the podcast. I couldn't we're, be that serious the whole time. So. I was going to say, we're getting, we're getting aggressive way too early. And this is not a fantasy football, nor it is, nor is it a, 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 any sort of football podcast where we get really aggressive. Uh, well, thank you. Question mark uh, oh, for the obviously. kind words. Um, you know, I love this site. The site has uh, given me so much in my life um, where it's a, uh, photography career and a lot of opportunities um and you know i get to meet great people like two of the people that are on this podcast with us we'll get into in a minute uh but you i got to meet you from this thing and we're friends and now we talk every day and um yeah it's the best so i'm just still happy to be here after all these years happy that the pop break's still here and we get to do fun stuff like this and uh talk to great people while we are discussing fantasy football but really supposed to be talking about uh, a new Disney plus series. Yes. <laughs> we are. Yes. And then one of the great things about this pod, these podcasts, an idea what we uh, kicked around for a long time. We're like, maybe we'll do a podcast one day. Now we have a weekly podcast and we are podcasting with people from around the United States. Of course uh, we cannot start a star Wars podcast without the other host of this podcast. Of course, she literally knows everything about Star Wars. That's why we bring her on, because we want to seem smarter than we are. Um, and she makes it happen. Uh, she is the only Dallas Cowboys fan we will allow on this podcast, because she is a nice person. And she actually is from Texas, so it's actually justified, because people in New Jersey who like the Cowboys, I have many issues with you, and you're not a real football fan. Just a hot take for you. Amanda Rivas. We are in a galaxy far, far away, and we're glad to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. Congrats to the pop break. This is awesome. I've, I know I haven't been here too, too long, but I personally, I just love it. I love our fantasy league. I love podcasting with you guys. I mean, it's just this is just so much fun for me just to have a group to chat with about just all the fun nerd stuff. And I, I thank you guys for the opportunity and for having me. And I mean, you guys are, are awesome. So I'm excited to chat Andor, and I'm also super excited that Mixon is doing well for me. So <laughs> as I'm watching Tales, like, give me all the points. Give me all the points. I need it. <laughs> well, not all. Uh, Amanda, Al, and I are not doing the best in our league right now, but someone no. is doing really well on this podcast, as opposed to last year, uh, and as opposed to his Washington Commanders. Uh, this last past Sunday, um, I felt like we all needed to give this newly married man a hug because it was a rough game. He, he wears his heart on his sleeve, but he will never get a Washington commander's tattoo because why he is smart. Um, I'm going to call him the Cassian Andor of this podcast, Ben Murkison, buddy. Um, I remember like last year we're like, oh man, we haven't had Ben on in like a year now. You're on all the time. We're glad to have you back. Yeah, I appreciate continuing to invite me back. Uh, I think it's mostly just so you can poke fun at the commanders, but that's perfectly fine by me. I'll, uh, I'll accept that. And, you know, Bill, I would have I would have totally fit in with your BB thing that you had going for the site, you know, so we could have just been triple B. We could have kept it going. You didn't have to change it, man. Well, I mean, yeah, we did. It was a horrible game. <laughs> uh, we Making were in the worst. It was literally, I will, I will cop to that in a heartbeat that that name just sucked so much. And I don't actually think that poorly of Al, if anyone's worrying, I do love him tremendously, but I can never. He's lying. 
truly admit it without calling him a piece of shit. Uh, but anyway, uh, bef- what didn't suck this week, before we get into our podcast about Andor, which I have to say my wife was really mad about this series because she thought the series was called Endor and it was going to be about Ewoks. True story. And I'm just like, that would have been better. Well, uh, first off, uh, Al is, Al is, Al is really going to be salty. He's going to be a salty dog. I'm not going to be that salty. They'll be some salt. They'll be so salty. He's going to be like a, you know, like dried meat in a, in a cold cabin. It's like, it's, gonna, it's a fall thing. You know, he's, he's going to be the beef jerky of this podcast. He well, he's the, he's Can I be the teriyaki flavored beef jerky. There you go. I no, like it. No, guy. we're not going to give you that. You're just going to be plain. Oh, I'll, I'll still eat it. It's protein. I mean, yeah. You're just going to snap into it. But uh, we're going to talk about something that didn't suck this week. We're going to talk about the fact that out of nowhere, as he does, Ryan Reynolds tweeted something amazing, and that was, hey guys, Deadpool 3, the movie we all know is filming, now has one, an official release date in September of 2024, and oh, by the way, there's a plot, and that's one idea they had, Hugh Jackman will be returning as Wolverine, officially debuting in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and then there was a subsequent video to just to talk about what happened um i highly recommend you check out john boy media j-o-m uh boy media they do a lot of lip reading and there's a really they do a really good job of lip reading what they actually said but what we gathered from this is logan took place in 2029 of course we all know wolverine died in that movie so how can he be in a deadpool well timelines will be shifting so this will be pre-Logan, it seems. So, guys, let's talk about the trailer. Let's talk about our thoughts on this going on. Amanda, since Al's already watching football, what was your reaction to the Deadpool 3, the Wolverine, all the news that just happened with this? All I'm going to say is I popped. I uh, I just saw Ryan Reynolds post, and I was like, yeah, I, I follow him on social. So it's like, oh, what did he what did he put? I just thought the marketing was brilliant. For one thing, just it was simple, it was effective, it was just like, man, he's just it's just so casual. And then it's like, hey, Hugh, you know, you want to come out? I was like, ah, <laughs> and then the follow-up was great. I, I really enjoyed how they addressed the question right away of is this going to, you know, kind of negate Logan, if you will. Um, but it was just it was just brilliant. It 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 already hyped up. I mean, you're already just on this high. Like I was on a high and then the second video came out and I'm like, I am, this is just my life is made right now. Like it's, it's, I just wish it was 2024 already. <laughs> I, I really hate that we have to wait till 2024, but it's going to be worth it. And I honestly feel like this is going to be one of the best movies probably in the Marvel franchise. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that right off the bat. I do have a question after that, though, that I'm going to need you guys to answer. I actually know I'll ask you right now, and everyone's going to answer the same one. Is Jackman going to be the long-term Logan in the MCU, or is this going to? Do you think this will be a one and done? Amanda, I feel like it's going to be a one and done. As much as I don't want it to be, I but I, I, I but at the same time, I think it's a big debut. It's his moment. He's also aging. I mean, it's hard to to fight that fact, even though he's extremely handsome. Um, <laughs> he's factually I mean, correct. Yes, factually, yes. And and I just, 
you know, at a certain point, you just kind of hit your your mark and be like, yeah, I'm I'm good. But at least he did it. I'm happy we're having it, even if it's just like a one time deal to me. I'm happy that we're even just having it. I'll take it. Uh, Hugh Jackman is 53 years old. Looks younger than I do. Factually correct. Uh, ben, I see. I don't know your thoughts on Deadpool, and he, and and I don't. I don't think we actually talked a ton about Marvel. So, are you excited for this news? Yeah, yeah I really enjoyed the the Deadpool movies. I mean, for me, like I. I like Ryan Reynolds' style of humor and everything pretty much that he's done from like waiting through now. And uh, I, he's a marketing genius, kind of as Amanda said, like nobody does it better. I just kind of started watching the, uh, the Rexham series that he's got, um, you know, where it's like the, him taking over that club with Rob and uh, just, I think in the first episode, he starts to list all the different things that he's like has ownership in or like supports and represents. And it's just this crazy obnoxious list. It's, uh, it's perfect for him. Um, and then just, I, I had actually, I think, messaged Amanda, too. I was like, I'm excited for it as long as they don't ruin the, uh, as long as they don't go through and ruin, uh, you know, the, the history of Logan. And so them coming out with the second video and just addressing that right away was perfect. Um, Al, I'm going to save you for last because I know you're going to have a lot to say. Uh, I have not seen Deadpool 2. Don't worry. It's Alex, our podcast editor, definitely put it on the agenda for Bill versus the MCU season. He actually has this podcast planned out to 2025. So I'll definitely watch it at some point. I do love this. Um, I do love this, uh, this news um, that we are going to get him back. He is someone who's, he was in eight of these X-Men films and plus, two Wolverine films. So he's done oh, three Wolverine films. So he's done a ton deserves his moment in the sun for the MCU. Um, I've always said Taron Edgerton could be the guy who takes his place because while well, you need another guy with an accent who could sing to take over for Logan. Uh, but I also believe that um, I also believe Hugh Jackman could, I wouldn't mind. He's only 53. I wouldn't mind a short run with him. Him and Miss Marvel season two, that is a storyline that they could go through. I think they would be tremendous together. And I think we could, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it if he had a small run as Wolverine. But I, I guess I just wondered, I have a question, I guess a question for you, Bill, like, do you, but if he has a longer run, do you feel like that would impact the events of Logan or how do you think they would work around that? Well, we're in a multiverse and I think that's kind of, I think it was the, the, default of everyone's a scroll and it's a multiverse are going to be our answers for a lot of this. So it could work. Uh, it's also, like I said, Logan's that's in 2029. If they base everything up until 2025, it won't impact it, but there is still a lot they have to do. I don't know Hugh Jackman's schedule. I could see it changing. I could see that and a multiverse could bring in a younger Logan for all we know. So that could, that could work as well. Al, um, you are the one who brought this to my attention. Like immediately, like I, you had a stroke, a heart attack, your spirit left your body. You became a force ghost and then came back into all of this, into your body. How are you, one, are you okay? And two, tell us uh, your thoughts on everything going on. Well, I am definitely not okay. Um, I wasn't. Uh, anytime, honestly, like legitimately, anytime ryan reynolds shares something on social it's a it's a news story right especially in my industry i work in marketing and he is the goat 
of marketing. Like he is, he is like the young superstar and already Tom Brady. Like marketers are constantly, the people that I follow are constantly saying, this guy is the best. He should teach a class on market, like the way that he's kind of elevated he, marketing. He may have. He I, may have. Um, he's basically um, pioneered fa- uh, fastertizing. Faster, like, it's like fa- it's fast advertising. Fast. I I'm good at bastardizing. He's good at bastardizing. <laughs> fastertizing. Thank you. So he's. It's just like jumping on the moment, right? Great example was um, the terrible. A holiday Peloton ad where the yes. the man basically buys it for his <laughs> wife, who looks amazing already. He's like, "You need to, you need to get in shape, basically." And like the next day or a week later or whatever, he brings her on for a, a I think an aviation gin ad with her like uh, looking like she's like Stockholm syndrome from the relationship. Amazing, like great. This was beyond cool. You have. D23 just happened. New York Comic-Con is next week. He just said, I don't need that. I'm bigger than anything. I'm bigger than any event. I'm bigger than any, uh, you know, Monday night football game. He doesn't have to do any of those things. He literally just has to tweet it out, post it on LinkedIn, whatever. That's how big of an impact he has. I would love it if everything he posted was just a LinkedIn post. That'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like he brings Friendster back out of nowhere. He's like, no, he has like he he very famously has a LinkedIn because he is now running three, you know, a, a huge company, Maximum Effort, Aviation Gin, Mint Mobile, like uh, and Wrexham too, the the football uh, club that Ben mentioned. So, not even getting into Deadpool, just into Ryan Reynolds, like that. It, it's that much of an impact. It just blew up. And of course, you're also talking about like, you know, huge momentous Marvel news and what a way to do it. I mean, like it's, it's Hugh Jackman. It's like one of the most, like, it's like things that we can agree on in all of comic adaptations. Like or we're life. talking about or life. It's like, Oh yeah. Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. That's fucking awesome. Like that was, that was the best. And like people were saying like, Oh, how is he going to get into MCU? Not even Wolverine. People just want to see him because he's so great in that role. Um, I love it. I love that. I love that they did the follow-up video too after everyone and their mom was like saying like, oh, this is going to ruin Logan or how are you going to explain this or timelines, blah, 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 blah. Like, shut up. It's going to be a fun movie. Like, 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 what are you doing? Like, I'm just excited, man. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that they basically explain Deadpool and the Fox X-Men were just a multiverse. Like, I think they've already kind of done that. They're doing that a little bit. Um, you know, they tease that in WandaVision. Um, and uh, so I'm very excited for this. Um, I can't wait. I truly can't wait. And Bill, you haven't even seen Deadpool 2. Deadpool 2 is a riot, man. I, well, movie. you know, depression's a bitch. Uh, but, It'll get you out of a depression. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm good. By the way, check your fantasy score. You'll really appreciate what just happened. Um, right. <laughs> uh, but it, I guess the other question is, do you see uh, Jackman as the long-term Logan in the MCU for like this multiverse saga, or you think he's one and done? I think, I think it, it, it's not one and done. It's one and done of him being like the star of a movie. Like he's going to basically yeah. co-star. I think this opens the door for secret wars for him to come back. 
so secret wars is is multiversal kind of it's it's you know we're obviously dealing with the multiverse right now i don't see him coming back as wolverine like full time no like for him to pop up in what is going to probably be the biggest comic book movie of all time after like it's they're always going to just be one upping themselves at this point but like secret war has the opportunity for them to just cast everyone in their mom like oh, I hope my mom's in it. I know. I hope so too. I'll volunteer my mom too. She's she's <laughs> no. she's random and hilarious. Cons- <laughs> conservative Catholic Doris Bodkin in a Marvel movie. That's just a trip in itself. Uh, so guys, that's what we think about that news. Normally we don't talk about news, but this was this too big for us to to not talk about. So, but let's get into the main event here. Let's talk about the brand new Disney Plus series. Andor, which is, of course, the prequel series to the prequel movie, Rogue One. Uh, this is produced by uh, Tony Gilroy, who you might know from, you know, he did Rogue One, but he also did Michael Clayton. He's done a bunch of really awesome movies like that. He did. He was a writer on the Bourne movies. Um, he, like I said, Michael Clayton, one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, also wrote Dolores Claiborne, which is a great Stephen King. Attitude. The only thing I know about the movie Michael Clayton is, do I look like I'm negotiating from the trailer? Yeah, you should watch that. Yeah, no, it, I'm not. That looks like know. the most interesting part of the movie. No, George Clooney is absolutely incredible in it. So is Tom Wilkinson. And of course, um, uh, the ancient one. <laughs> Just totally forgot the actress's name. Oh, tell us, tell us, sweet, sweet, yes. Which of course, ah, oh, the ancient one. Oh, the ancient one. Uh, yes. I was so. like, who? What old actor is he talking about? It's like oh. John Hurt or something? <laughs> it's, the, it's Gene Hackman. Uh, but uh, yep. So that's a great. Michael Clayton's great. You should watch it. Anyway, we're here. We're talking Andor. So guys, let's get into our, the Rogue One of it all. Uh, ben and Amanda, we've talked about this before. So, Al, I'm going to interrupt your football watching again. I don't think I've ever gotten your full take on Rogue One and what you think outside of I feel like you didn't like the inclusion of Darth Vader, but I could be wrong about that. So, Rogue One. No, it was the complete opposite. I I remember liking Rogue One a lot in theaters, and I remember watching it again at home. Uh, I do have to watch it again, but from what I understand, my initial take was is that... um, the movie's very unnecessary. Like it's got a lot of it's got a lot of cool people in it. It's got a lot of cool stuff. I love the like uh in daylight snowy or no, it was the beach battle. Mm, like yes. that was really cool. And I remember really like being into that scene in the trailer. But I think without that Darth Vader scene, it's a very forgettable movie. That's what you said. Okay. Yeah. I just, I, people love that movie like to death. Yeah. Like, this is the best thing they've like done. Two, three people on this podcast. Love yeah. this movie people will a lot. say it's like, people will say it's like the best thing they've done in like the new, in the Disney Star Wars in terms of the movies and stuff. Uh, I don't know. I, that- I don't know. I don't, I don't find myself returning to it a lot. Whereas like, I, I I'm an, both an apologist and a huge fan of Solo. Like that movie is a lot of fun we and it's it. memorable, and it's a little more I don't know. But anyway, that's how I felt. Um, loved the characters, loved like K2SO. Cassie was cool, and um, Felicity Jones. Can't remember her name. Um, anyone want to help me on this? Jin. Oh, Jin Urso. Yeah, Jin Urso. Jin Urso. They like those weird, hard to pronounce kind of names. 
but yeah science fiction you know no, well, no I'd rather have like I'd rather have long hard uh, to say names than the short ones. Well, that's what Lord of the Rings is for. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so ben, I know I you like were... those movies too. Okay, so <laughs> we have talked about so Ben and Amanda both love and I all love Rogue One. We've talked about we've been on other podcasts talking about this. Go back a few weeks ago when we talked about San Diego Comic Con. We we waxed poetic about it. So, um, Al. I know you were excited to, for this series to come out, but I'll go with Amanda first. Amanda, where was your hype level for this? Now, we've come off, of course, two seasons of The Mandalorian. Well, two and a half seasons of The Mandalorian. We had the Book of Boba Fett, which you were a part of our book club for that. We were, I, I think Al was the most positive on that, but we were all kind of mixed. We watched Kenobi together. Uh, where was your hype level for this series and were you getting a little? Were you getting a little Star Wars burnout, or was this like, no, this is the one you were waiting for? I will devour all things Star Wars because I love, I love Star Wars. Um, it's just, you know, for me, my hype level for this show was really high because I love Rogue One. Um, in fact, if I ever have a daughter, Jen is in the running. I've already told the boyfriend this. I'm like, yeah, it's 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 a done deal because I I love this movie yeah. that much. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's easy to spell, and you can't really make that much fun of it uh, maybe um but um kids are so awful I, kids really <laughs> are make it off well, i mean i was trying to make fun of my kid's name at this point because i was like did i meet all the criteria that's how i chose a name but um but it's just i i really was excited about this movie because cassian was one of or the show because cassian was one of my favorite characters i love diego luna in general i've been watching him since spanish his spanish spanish indie film days and he's a great actor. And I just, I was excited to see more. And just, I was curious too about what direction they were going to go, knowing where he winds up at the end of Rogue One. So, um, so my hype level was very high for the show. And for me, I, I think because it's such a different, it's, a, it's not a direct Skywalker product. It saved me from being burnt out. Because I think sometimes if you have too much Skywalker, too much, too much, much, and there's a lot of it. <laughs> um, then you could have burnout. But I like that, you know, we're branching out to other parts of the Star Wars universe, even though, yes, there's still a familiar tie, but it's it's at least we're, we're exploring something different. And so I think that keeps the burnout from happening. Uh, Benzino. Uh, so what about you? What about your, what was your hype level? You wrote the review for the series yeah. for the first three episodes. What was your hype level level for this series coming into it? Yes, but as Al alluded to, I am one of those uh, people that would put it in the camp of outside of the original trilogy. It's my favorite thing that they've done Star Wars related. So um, I had, was very, very excited for them to come back and let you know, Diego Luna return to this character. Because as I mentioned in my review, you know, it was kind of a shame that he only had a limited amount of time that he could play that role. And uh, so having him come back and have all this time to, to really step into and explore it further is really cool. And as Amanda said, it does feel like a little bit of a departure from Star Wars in a good way, but it's telling a part of this you know story that's not been told. Um, so is it necessary? You know, no, but it's still a lot of fun, and uh, it, it feels bigger in scope. Like you're not just getting the same planets; you're getting tons of different places that they're visiting. You're getting lots of different characters that have never been introduced to before. It doesn't have the you know it doesn't have hanging over it all this stuff where you have to incorporate all these old characters and you have to bring in Darth Vader, even though they did in Rogue One. Like, you could have it stand alone on its own, um, and it doesn't have to all tie back into the Skywalker saga like all the other stuff does. So that's really fun with it. And it's interesting, you know, as I 
as I mentioned in the review, knowing what eventually happens to this character, you know, there's not like a happy ending involved for probably anybody that's going to be in the series, but um, that adds like a, a layer to it. Um, you know, that seriousness that I've been kind of hoping for in a Star Wars series, because uh, I really felt when Boba Fett got announced that like, this is going to be badass. It's going to be like a straight up Western. It's going to be dark. And it wasn't, it was like the most playful thing that Star Wars has put out in some of these. So for me, it's really nice to see this show come out and Andor be more of that serious tone. They have like the moments with the droid because, you know, like I said, they got to sell toys. So he's going to have a few things here and there. You know, you got to have it for the kids. But overall, it never really sticks to that. It sticks to a more serious tone, which I love and appreciate. For me, the, I, I've, I've, I've beaten this horse to death that I wish Rogue One, like I liked it so much. I wish it actually was a series instead of a movie because it just, I would, I, it, the thing that I thought Star Wars would be so great to have is it's, it's a war film and war films often make for great spy. They, they, they often, the spy genre fits into war so well. Um, Guns of Navarone, Where Eagles Dare, co- co- these are movies I grew up on, that like covert operations. And it's just like, this is what they were doing. I would love to see more intrigue of this. And when they announced the series, I was pretty excited for it. Um, I will take up one thing that um, I believe, and I hopefully I'm not misquoting, Marshall Stevenson, who's uh, the host of Blurred Watchers and Blurred Life with my wife. Go check those podcasts out. And he's in our NFC East group therapy session. He was like, I really am looking forward to the day. I'm paraphrasing him. Where it's not just a character we've seen already. Um, I will, one day will look at that. I, I One day we hope we get that with Star Wars where we're moving past these characters that are in movies and we can have these new creations. And I think we'll get that with Ahsoka is going to be that one for us. And, and, and in many ways, the Mandalorian was too, but um, I, I agree with Marshall on that. I have to agree with him. He's a voice of God. Come on. Um, but guys, let's get into the actual, we're going to be reviewing the first four episodes um, because of course, if you don't, you know, if you just started the first two, it was a three episode premiere. And then we had the fourth one, which airs every Wednesday. So we all caught up on that. Let's start with how they've positioned our hero. Cassie and Andor. Um, Al, I want to say, like, you brought this up. There's like, are they making him a, you know, a, a proper villain, essentially? Are we just getting a bad guy out the gates? And are they apologizing for like, yeah, we didn't make Boba Fett that much of a bad guy so let's do that with andor um uh amanda what do you think of that positive of andor you know casting when we first meet him he's not the best guy yeah he's kind of a little shady a little bit uh but i have to say i think it makes for a good i i think it's kind of fitting though because of uh, the think it back to row one hold on puppy hold on um Thinking back to Rogue One, you know, at the end, towards the end, of course, when they're getting ready to go to Scarif, you know, he's, he says, we've all done things that we're not proud of, you know, as part of the, you know, for the, for the, for the rebellion. And I, I really think like you, you have this character that he's at a low point and gets motivated, but he still kind of keeps some of that edge. Cause I mean, even then, even in Rogue One, he still has that kind of, that grittiness that he comes in with that he's carried so far. Um, so I, I think, I think it's fitting that he, um, that he's coming across this way. It's not, it, 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 it makes for a better, 
you know, towards the end when he's with Jen on the beach and everything, you know, it makes that redemption, that little tiny redemption so much better knowing that he had such a, had, had a, it was a little bit shady to, to begin with. So I I'm, I'm here for it for storytelling. So Ben, how do you, so, and you know, I, I, you had to pop off for a second. Um, Al had basically posited that, you know, the way they introduced Cassie and he's more of a proper villain then he then say how we got Boba Fett, who we they tried really making him a nice, good dude right away. Um, what did you think of the introduction of him being kind of this shadier cat? Um, well, I thought it was really interesting what they were doing. Um, to me, as I was watching him kind of evolve on this show, it's almost like they were doing what they did with Jern Erso, where in Rogue One, she kind of came on and was caught up in this thing she really didn't understand or want to be a part of necessarily just trying to get away and do her own thing and not be a part of anything bigger than her. And then she kind of just is not really trusted by everybody around her, but gradually has to get brought into this. And so then that's kind of how I feel like they're treating his character. It's like him having that origin story in this moment. Well, Al, I mean, you brought it up. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good tie. I, I, I think too, that's a good point, Ben, because I feel like maybe that's why they bonded in the, in the movie so much. That makes sense. You have the similar past, similar feelings of being jaded and kind of, you know, it's, that's a really, that's really good. I like that. It also shows his edge, I think, and his twitch that he kind of has, like he's very suspect of everyone, everyone, everywhere, all at once. Sorry. that Every time I say everywhere, I just go to that movie title, which I still haven't seen. Uh, it's, I know. Oh, good. Fun. Busy man. Uh, <laughs> I want to see it. Um, so, I think it, t- it shows up like the origins of that edge that we see him have. So Al proper villain. Are you, were you, well, you brought it up, but were you happy with how they introduced Cassian to us? Yeah. I thought the introduction of him was solid. Like I thought I was, I, I mean, honestly, I, the first thing I thought I was like, wow, it's Paul McCartney from get back. Um, it, I swear <laughs> to God, thank it God. It wasn't just like him. <laughs> Yeah, um, from from the Get Back uh, documentary. No, I I thought it was very interesting. I just and I I mean we can get into it now. Get into it. Get into it. So I teased right before we hit record that I didn't necessarily like like love the series like off the bat, and I, the reason why is I feel like the first two episodes that was the next part. Yeah, the first two episodes of the series are not interesting. They're not. It's it's it is it's half Cassian not you not knowing what the fuck he's doing, and the other half is um like Mr. Peabody fucking trying to move up the ranks and solve a murder. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's that's literally the the first two full episodes until you get to the end of episode two, I believe. Are you the first thing the dog, Mr. Peabody? Yeah, he was the s- smart, brainy one, right? Yeah, but I mean, I mean, but I mean, it could be Sherman, but I can't say <laughs> Sherman. You'd be like, who the fuck, Sherman? I, no, have to say I actually would have gotten it. Yeah, no. All right, he looks like Sherman from Mister Peabody and Sherman. Anywho, I just felt very unenthusiastic throughout the whole like first two episodes of the series because it just it wasn't like there was no stakes. They were low stakes. And on top of that, I didn't know really what was going on outside of the murder uh, plot solving thing. So it's like it sets up him 
as like troubled, you know, all that stuff, whatever. But do they really? Because almost minutes later, it's like, oh, that guy he killed, he wasn't a good dude. Like they auto- automatically try to take it back. Like he didn't just make a mistake and kill two innocent people. Like they're like, no, that guy was bad. Okay. You need, so, you need to like this guy. So, anyway, yeah. it's just not strong. It wasn't a strong first two episodes to introduce a character we've already we already know. So yes. Oh. So that was actually going to be my next was going to be my uh, thank you for making that transition for me because I was going to say those first two episodes weren't exactly the most thrilling. No. So uh Ben and, and you know, so we now know how Al feels. For me, I was watching this and I remember watching the first one. I'm like, this is a bit of a chore, and I'm tired. I just watch wrestling. I've had a long day. I'm very tired. And I was like, I'll get to the second one. And I just felt like this show needs to pick up because it's kind of rep. I didn't I didn't know if the they were the stakes were low, but they were just they were still in the freezer, you know, because we hadn't gotten anything out yet. But I thought it was kind of repetitive. It's just like, I get it. He's not trustworthy. I don't agree with you, Al. Well, like, they tried walking back the, the kills. Like, it was pretty obvious from the jump these guys were scumbags. Like, they were shaking. They were basically dirty cops. You know what I mean? They are basically like two cops trying to shake a guy down. Um, and then it was a whole bunch of just, like, him with Bix. Being like, well, I guess there was a thing here that we're really never going to ever flesh out. And then, you know, Irish McWeirdo is going to like turn him in, obviously. And uh, and it was just it was a whole bunch of. We could have summarized this thing in 10 minutes, but we didn't. We took two episodes. That's my opinion. Amanda, what did you think of those first two episodes? Are, are, Are Al and I just a bunch of cranky bastards are we just a little too salty or did you feel those episodes were those were just kind of whatevs so i actually went in with a little bit lower expectations for the first couple because i I figured well we have 12 i think 12 episodes in this so i'm like it's gonna be slow so i came in i have to say i did like the the intro song like the i guess like the brothel song i was here like she's trying to shazam it um i did like some of the aesthetics i know i was like I did like the aesthetics. That was that was something I I, I really liked. Like that whole Blade Runner, a little bit of like the Hunger Games with her her look. I thought some of that was pretty neat. Um, I almost wondered if these two episodes were kind of a little all over the place on purpose because he's that way. Mm. He's lost okay. and he's directionless and he's looking for his sister, but he's just kind of a hot mess at this point. And I, I wonder if that. I almost felt like it was done on purpose. Because then the rest of these episodes are going to get stronger as he, I feel like as he grows into himself. Um, Like this last episode, I loved it. And I mean, we'll go into that. Um, Oh yeah, we'll go into that. (laughs) Um, But because there's so much there in that, that, you know, I feel like that. Yeah, but we'll get there. Um, But but I wondered if that was on purpose. And and I still kind of think to, I think it is. I think it is. I I feel like it's, it's, you know, it, it, it was kind of all over the place. And I also feel like you have, you know, so the other, um, is it Cyril? Is that his name? I can never pronounce it. The, the officer guy, the, the security guy that does, the, you know, kind of Mr. just Peabody and Sherman. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's like the guy <laughs> from one division. We just call them general douchebag. We just like, we just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this we also didn't want to acknowledge him. We're like, you're, you're yeah, but I feel like he does have a purpose. I have a theory about him, but, um, but yeah. I, but I feel like, I, I feel like um, these episodes were that way on purpose because Cassian is that way. 
that's just my thought on it. And I feel like it's, it's, it's got to go up from here. It can't, it can't be worse than Boba Fett <laughs> at, at this point. Um, but that, that's my, my thoughts on it. I was okay with it again, because we have 12 episodes. I would have been more upset about it if it was six or even. I, I think this series, I think you're right in regards to the, I'm, I'm glad that's finally working out. Um, I've, it's, um, if this had been the typical six to eight episodes, like that people would have been rightfully pissed that they just burned two episodes. You're like, great. That was, that was all for nothing. But then um, from, uh, I was going to say you're a hot mess, but actually I am. Um, What is your audio is today? But is, (laughs) what did you think those were those first two episodes? Just a whole bunch of nothing for you. Yeah, sorry about the audio. I don't know if this is any better. Oh, you sound like a golden god right now. Good, because I'm on my phone now. Way to go, iPhone. Don't let me down. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm not in that camp. I The only thing with the first two episodes, I'm always hesitant when they try to do a lot of intercutting between two different times and, right. you know, splice it all together, especially like in a tight, you know, 35, 40 minutes. But I, I feel like they could have wrapped it up a little quicker. But I know that with the first three episodes releasing them all at the same time, they wanted to have this perfect kind of arc of having that scene at the end of the third episode, um, you know, kind of go the way that it did. So could have they gotten things a little faster? Yeah, probably. But like everybody mentioned, they know how much time they had to tell this story. So I think they wanted to spend a little bit more trying to get a little bit more good character development in there, uh, introduce a lot of these people on his home planet. Um, some of which, you know, of course will probably pop back up later, even if they're not central to every episode. So he wants to have that backstory built in. Um, so I was, I was fine with the pacing of it and I enjoyed the first two. I wasn't, I wasn't down on them. Obviously the third and fourth that we'll talk about, I think we're, we're steps of, we're steps above that, but I think you had to have them there to really kind of get to know these people. Let's talk about that. Let's uh, Amanda, before I jump into the third episode, I believe you have something you want to add. I was going to say, Ben, you, you got to throw that line that you told that you, you and I were talking about how rebellions got started. That was brilliant. That has to be recorded. Yeah. So as you guys were talking about the, the jealous boyfriend basically makes the call. So I was like, there's the, the rogue one line where it's rebellions are built on hope. I was like, rebellions are actually built on uh, drunk phone calls, you know, uh, drunk, <laughs> drunk dials at 2 a.m. Well, so, that's, I mean, if you think about, let's go into that third episode where rebellion is the seeds of a rebellion are really sown when the get basically the mining company's security force uh, goes in to serve a warrant. Uh, yeah, with twelve heavily armed guys uh, to get Cassian. Uh, the town he's in really seems to respond and seems to want take the side that this rebellion has been bubbling. What did you guys think about that scene where they're clanging on the metal and that scene keeps building and building and building to almost a point of, as Fiona Shaw's character says, you have to worry when the clang, when the noise stops. How did you guys feel? Did did that feel weird that all of a sudden like this town was like, we're in rebellion already, or did this was this a great moment for you guys? Like this was what started setting Andor on the right path as a series. Al, since you were so you brought up the negativity of the first two episodes, and I completely agree with you. Can't believe I'm saying that, but um, how did you feel about that part, of episode three? I, I've yeah, I, I think it definitely 
put the show on the right course like if this is the show then like i'm interested right i think i think what slowed it down for me even with that third episode was i think they were still and correct me if i'm wrong cutting back to like flashbacks of him they were yes i i've re- like flashbacks really bother me at this point because i've just seen them so used like overused over time and it's like boba fett is literally an entire flashback yeah show, yeah, yeah. Part, and it's just like I don't know. Like we're already flashing back. Stop making us flashback during a flashback. There's no back to tanks right now, though. So let's let's be thankful yeah. for that. Hey, there's, this is that true. Means there's no thank there's the no, maker. There's sure. no device. <laughs> there's no back to tanks. There's the book of Andor. Um, yeah. Where? What's the book? Encyclopedia of Andor. Yes, what's me. the book? What does the book mean? <laughs> anyway. Get how to drunk dial and start a rebellion. That's what it's about. That's right. So That's yeah, right. no, I, I thought the pacing was a lot better i thought it was a lot more entertaining action set pieces all of that i just again just please stop please stop with the flashbacks well we we did get we did stop in episode four but we will we're going to stick in episode three for right now for me that scene where they're clanging and there's it was i love that because now we're doing something now we're building to something and while this we didn't see the townspeople in particular rebel um, wow, that was just breaking news that came across my thing. Um, that it was uh the Trevor Noah is leaving the Daily Show. Um, so yeah, that's breaking news. Uh, oh. yeah, a Hollywood reporter. Uh, so sorry, let me recalibrate for a second. So they're building up that we see the, of the, the rebellion, but it's not full force. We see that the ship, like the people in the scrapyard, kind of delay the tran but actually destroy kill the pilot uh yeah. not intentionally maybe maybe intentionally maybe not but, yeah. but i feel like the fact that the whole town was in on it but not everyone was ready for it yet was a really nice storytelling device that one paralleled cassian but also set us in the time of when this is just because there's a rebellion coming doesn't mean it's in full force. This is still the siege. This is still the beginning time. And I thought when they finally stopped, I thought the tension was so palpable when those uh, guys are on the roof and everything is really quiet. And then the one guy, the really, really Scottish guy is like, crikey, which is Australian, I know. But he's just like, we're screwed because something bad is going to happen. That to me is vintage war movie. And I'm like, this is where I need it to be. So, Amanda, what did you think of that scene or that build-up? I loved it. I loved it because, you know, with the you know the whole point of the rebellion was to try to pull all these different cells and all these different, you know, everybody was so splintered. And I I, I feel like um, you could tell just by the system, the communication system, the clanging, and everything that this has been in the works for a while. Um, the tension, I, I, I like that you could sense that there has always, there's, there's been tension for a while and now it's, it's, it's reached its boiling point. So you have activity, you know, one area and now it's, it's, you know, all these different areas are starting to erupt and then eventually we'll get to the point where they all get together and it's going to happen. It's going to be great. Um, and the rebellion will succeed. But again, I just really liked that very subtle, cause again, just the, the whole, like, this is this is this has happened for a while, and now it's spilled over. You're in trouble. You did it. This is this this was just a fuse waiting to be lit, and I loved it. I loved it. The whole even just the guy ringing the bell in general, starting it off. The way that that scene was filmed and done, and the colors, 
it was a, a clear signal that this town was just ready to erupt. It was just a matter of time. And here it is. Um, so I thought that was beautifully done. And I was at the edge of my seat. I'm like, I'm here for this. This is what I've been waiting for. And here we are. The rebellion has begun, guys. <laughs> uh, ben, you wrote the review on the episode. So what, uh, just tell the people what you thought about this one, especially this culmination of this, you know, almost 75% of the episode, we have this clanging going on and leading up to this explosion, literally. Yeah, well, well, first of all, I just aspire to love any job that I ever have as much as that bell ringer guy loves his job and kind of starting off the day. So he, he's got a whole prep, like everything's well done. Yeah, he's having a good time. Uh, the episode was was fantastic. I like the way that it escalated up to that point. But you did mention that like, we don't actually get to see the townspeople really do anything other than just kind of make the noise and then scatter when things start to blow up and, and whatnot. It would have been. I feel like it would have been more of a payoff if you started to see them, like, um, I don't know if you want to see them attack, but at least, like, start, I don't know, throwing things. I mean, they blew up the ship, so I guess somehow the people got out of there without their ships, so somebody had to come retrieve them, so you don't really get to see what happens after that. But um, I think it was just, it seemed like it's a planet that was mostly just left alone, and they kind of just did their thing, even though they didn't really enjoy probably their factory jobs that they got going on. So when they started to see the presence of, um, you know, even if it's not the empire, it's like the security force that they use come in um, and it gave them like a visual of what they despise. And so I think it was just a, a lot of tension from the moment that they you know stepped off the ship onto that planet. So seeing it culminate the way it did was was cool uh, with the tension and the buildup. And then hopefully we get to see eventually Cassie's got to circle back to that planet probably and, and reconnect with some of those people. So we'll get to see how they've kind of evolved, maybe what's going on there, um, you know, in the future episodes. Diego Luna is yeah, obviously the star of the show. He is the straw that serves the drink. You know what I mean? Everything's going to run through him. But to me, the moment Stellan Skarsgård enters the series, everything changes. He is the game changer for me. And I think we've seen Stellan Skarsgård in so much IP over the years throughout Marvel, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, he was in Pirates of the Caribbean. And, and uh, a million other things, including that King Arthur movie, I think that only, with Clive Owen, I think that only I like, and own on DVD. Um, but um, was he, like, I think he's the best part of the show acting was so far. Uh, I want to get everyone's opinion on his character, Luthen and his performance. Like how do you feel like this is, this is going to become an iconic star Wars character? Cause for me, he is another world war two trope. The guy who is playing both sides. He play, he is the hardened revolutionary, but he puts on the rings and the weird, the affected voice. And he's playing into the hands. He's like a, a pawn of, uh, of the empire in some ways, or he's a, an out, not a pawn, but he's, a, you know, he benefits from the empire. He's rich. So what is it? You know, of course, he's going to benefit from a dictatorial government. What did you guys think of Stellan Skarsgård in the two episodes that we saw? I'll start with you first. Yeah, no, he uh, just like right off the bat, it's just like, oh, shit, this guy's cool. And it's like that kind of Star Wars thing that only happens every so often, right? Probably the yeah. last time was was Cobb Vanth. Let's just be honest. I mean, yes. Like, come on. We know. We got it. We, yeah. You got um, it. 
but yeah, uh, I absolutely adore uh, Stellar Skateboards, um, which is a deep, it's a deep <laughs> cut. If you know the joke, you know the joke. It's uh, from another podcast called How Did This Get Made, uh, where they where they always reference him as a st- uh, Stellar Skateboards. Uh, but yeah, no, I absolutely uh, love love his inclusion actually when he popped on the screen episode, i said stellar scar skateboards is in this i had no idea uh so i was really really pumped and uh yeah kind of just like han soloed his way mandoed his way onto the screen just like oh cool i want to know everything about this guy right now um ben how'd you feel about the duplicity of you know your thoughts on uh, skateboards, uh, you know, performance here, but also the duplicity of the du- or duality and duplicity of the Luthien character. We see him one way and we see him another way. It was amazing. Uh, just having watched episode four today, actually. Um, well, even in three, when he when he came on the screen, just everything seemed to elevate like immediately. He does that to most things that he's in, obviously. But um, I think his back and forth with Cassian was probably the best thing about that particular episode. It just seemed like the stakes got raised like a ton. I mean, you kind of felt it anyway, but the revelation that, you know, he wasn't really there about, you know, trying to get the thing that he was trying to sell. He was really just there to try to recruit him to join. So um, that, but then yes, the scene that you referenced where he's, he's kind of basically on the ship, putting on like the wig, changing his personality, his persona. And you just kind of see him have this moment to himself uh, where he always switches gears. And now he's this, um, I don't know what he is, like a salesman, museum curator type guy, um, as far as for the Empire, um, providing all types of relics. But that was like a brilliant turn. I mean, that was one of the better things that I've seen on screen uh, in a while. And I, I just want to hopefully he's a character that sticks with the series long term and he isn't just, um, you know, built up as like a main character for season one. And then, you know, his death or something, you know, changes things for season two. Uh, hopefully he's around for much longer. We're going to have... Our little tin, we'll get the tinfoil out in a little bit. Uh, Amanda, I'm curious to uh, your thoughts on Luthin, and then I'm going to throw out a random observation I have and a little bit of a frustration about this episode. So, yes, I mean, Stellan just he knocks it out of the park, he steals, he steals the scene, and everything that I've seen him in is just he, he just somehow manages to elevate everybody he's in a scene with. So, I mean, Diego Luna, I felt like his acting, the dialogue that he has, you know, I, I felt like he even stepped up his performance. So right off the bat, he's just, Stellan's just somebody who elevates everybody around him. But I really do like how he just raised the stakes. He just he just basically put the put the rebellion on the map, you know, made it important, made it, you know, he, it, he, he completely changed the pace of the show for me. And so I loved him. And I also really do like the, the, the duality that he has, I guess, the, the duplicious role, because it is very Coruscant. It really is. Um, it's very, you know, it really brings the politics, you know, of the Senate and of, of you know, of Coruscant to light. I think he does a great job bringing that because that's what you hear about when you when you read about Coruscant or you see it in, you know, show or your movies or shows or whatever. You know, he really brings that the embodiment of that culture. So I thought that was a really, really neat way to go about it. And and I, I really do hope that he is somebody that goes through season two. I, I really do. And I, I feel like he's gonna be one of those characters that even kind of like again, like everybody in Rogue One, you know what happens to him at the end, but there's somehow, even though they're nameless in the rest of they're not mentioned in the original trilogy or anything thereafter, really, 
they still did had an important role in bringing the rebellion to life. And I feel like Luthien is going to be somebody I, I really feel, I really feel not only is going to influence Cassian, but Mon Mothma. I think Mon Mothma, a lot of her character development and who she is later in the movies as we see her is going to be influenced by Luthien. Okay. We're going to bring on Mon Mothma. I was thinking of her too. Um, okay. So one thing that bothered me about this box that's supposed to be able to track every ship why does it look like Darth Vader's chest thing? Thank you. I thought the same thing. I'm just saying, I'm like, so when the whole thing was like, I've stolen this box, I'm like, oh my God, it's a life support system for Darth Vader. And that's why it's so important. It's like his backup battery. No, it just happens to look like that, but it can track every ship in the galaxy. I, It's one of those things where I was just like, I'm going to call bullshit on this because it's someone did did not make the part and they're like, okay, we have an extra one of those, throw it in. So Amanda, you, you probably the only one who really has an issue with this. So I'm glad just, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. I was like, what is the, why does it look like? I really thought the same thing. I was like, these are like Darth Vader colors. I'm really confused right now. Cause I'm like the color pattern is very Darth Vader. I'm like, are we going to have Darth Vader now? Um, yeah, you know, and that's, I was, yeah, I'm a little worried about that. I was like, he, it was perfect in Rogue One, the way it was done. Please leave that alone. That is one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Wars history. Please, please, please do not do anything to mess that up. <laughs> That's where I was like, oh, yeah. but I, there has to be something else behind it. I, I, I feel like, uh, you know, we're, I know we're going to go into that episode with, with the particular, with the particular ISP officer that's just trying to track this thing. But I feel like there's more to that even though I don't like the color scheme and I'm really, I'm just fingers crossed that it has nothing to do with Vader. Um, yeah, I don't. There has to be, there has to be something else behind it. And I hope it's not as ludicrous as it can track everything throughout the galaxy. Cause then if somebody got their hands on it, would we have a rebellion at this they, point? They, or they literally could have taken that. Every they show. could have taken that. Yeah. So, well, and, and to leave that behind, if it's that important, like why would Luthien leave that behind? It didn't seem like it was that important. Like they got right. more than it was just one. And they started to talk about it a little bit. But I mean, I'm also doing this podcast on my phone, which is also like the internet and the calculator. So you can do multiple things, guys. Maybe Darth Vader's just tracking ships all day long for his spare time. <laughs> like we're watching fantasy football scores. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, it just was weird when I saw him like, uh, I also don't want Darth Vader in the series and we don't, we don't need it. Um, but let's get into episode four where we really get into this whole new plot about a heist and boy, oh boy, if you want to get Bill Bodkin's attention, throw in a heist or a caper into literally anything. And I'm there. Um, I guess, how do we feel like there, there's something very different about this world that they've entered one, all their blasters look like they're AK 47s. They just do. I'm kind of okay with it, but how do you guys feel that we now have this plot here, which should be in, in all intents and purposes, they're going to uh, uh, hijack a bankroll, an Imperial bankroll. This should be like the main, like a huge plot. This should be like the season finale essentially, but now it's like episode five maybe or six. How do we feel about this whole thing with this plot? Or do we feel like it's going to, Amanda, I'll start with you. Do you think this is this plot's going to go over uh, like the whole season? We'll get to it. 
I don't really feel like it's going to go through the whole season. I think we're going to, this is kind of a, even though it is a, a big action or a big heist to go for, I feel like the intent of this is to set up Cassian as somebody who can be relied on or so it kind of, it's still going to serve as his entryway into the rebellion. Um, and you'll see him gradually go in more and more. So I think this will last a couple of episodes. I just don't, I don't see it going through the full, the the full season. Um, there's going to, there's going to be more, there's, there definitely has to be more to it. And I, I feel like this is maybe the start of, it's a big mission, but then there's going to be another related bigger mission that I think then may carry over to the end of the season or into season two. So I think this is a stepping stone to another related big mission that's in the works. It was also thrown off by this team he's joined on because one of the guys was a main character from Girls, the final season, which I am oh, yeah. not a fan of the show, but I was subjected to it the entire series and I just can't see this guy in Star Wars. But um, Al, I'm going to go to you. Um, they're on this hippie commune, essentially, um, where they're going to just pull off this heist. How do you, what is your thoughts on we're now going to get this big heisty thing happening? Is this something that's now, because like I said, you were of all the four of us, you're the cold, you were the coldest on the beginning of it. And I even see episode three, you're starting to warm up the series. By the time we get to season uh, episode four, we have this new plot that's in motion. How are you feeling about Andor at that point? I feel, I feel, I feel better. I just, it's, it's just annoying that we had to get two episodes of yes. meeting a town of people to just forget about them. I don't know if they're going to come back, but I don't yeah, see why they, they would. You know what I mean? It just, I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe the girl that he was with, but like, yeah, it just felt like we just were like, yeah. here's two episodes in this one place. And now we're going to go meet a bunch of other people. So I think I was a little thrown off by that, but like if they stay on this trajectory and, and focus on the caper and everything, I think it'll be a better situation. Also, uh, cousin is from, uh, is yeah. <laughs> let's, let's fucking go. The bear. I kept waiting for him to drop. Like, I don't like your plan, cousin. I don't like your plan. <laughs> oh wait, is that the guy from Girls? Yeah, same okay. guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he is. Uh, he's in. Uh, he's in the bear. Uh, which famously, my wife, uh, who one episode or two episodes in, was like, "They're yelling a lot." <laughs> I'm like, "Yep, that's the whole show." <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm definitely more intrigued now, and and know, knowing. This is two seasons, like not having to think, oh, are they going to do another season or how long are they going to do this? I for? forgot it was two seasons. Yeah. They straight up said like it's two seasons, full story, two seasons. Like I'm like, cool. Like you have, you have a plan. I'm a big fan of that. Big fan that they have a plan. Well, Ben, how do you feel? How do you feel like we've now taken Cassian who is now we we're adding a lot of, um, distraction we're adding a lot of espionage we're adding a lot of layers here of well he's clem now which if you didn't get if you didn't catch it that was the name of fiona shaw's partner who saved him from that wreck and i'm still not a hundred percent on the whole wreck thing but how do you feel like now he's like he's lying to who he is about to this leader and this 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 commando leader is lying to her team like is it too much or are you liking that we're going to get a lot of intrigue going forward? Well, it's, it's definitely very complicated right now. Everybody's kind of in various states of in the know. Uh, nobody's really hundred percent bought into everybody. Um, I mean, 
Al should like it off the top because if you remember his favorite Star Wars property was Solo, and that had like a heist basically in the middle of the movie, and then had like a whole other That's right, movie baby. To go. So, uh, so this seems to be trying to fall into that. We're gonna meet this, you know, whole team of new characters. Uh, there's like seven people <laughs> on this team. A good percentage of them. See, it's a good comment. Good a good percentage of them are not going to make it out, probably. Uh, I really feel like Alex Lothar's character, for sure, because he comes across as, like, too sweet and nice, so they're going to they're gonna kill that guy. Um, but hopefully oh, he's, he, no, he's, he is so dead. He's yeah. so dead. Just yeah. so, so dead. And it's not going to be like, oh, he got shot. It's going to be real tragic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, exactly. Uh, so, no, I like it. And also, too, just one of the things I, I brought up in my review of the other episodes, too, is just I like the show because – Again, it shows so many different settings, and it's just gorgeous there. I was basically on IMDb, like, oh. where are they filming? I want to visit this exact location with the waterfall, and, like, they're camping there. Like, please take me. Did, so did I just... They, didn't they film in the volume, like all the other Star Wars shows? Don't they I mean, just film? Some of those, some of the uh, the bigger shots where they're hiking through that mountain are, like... Do they film on location? I never some of that had to it be. shows up in England, like, and that was the generic thing. So I got to go do and do more research. So I don't, I don't know how to help with that. So but I'm going to find it. Don't worry. They'll, I'll figure they'll it out. Tell you, they might tell you in the when they do like the behind the scenes. Um, yeah, know, but he's, he's on his he's on his phone internet. Uh, you know, he's tracking all ships in the galaxy in the Empire. Got he's got um, that. He's got that box. He's got that Vader box right now. Yeah, he's got like, Vader box. <laughs> Christ, <laughs> uh, I can't let that go now. Um, let's so. One before we get into our, we pull out the uh, Reynolds rap and start talking about conspiracies and our future thoughts on the series. One holdover from as we you know besides Cassian, they bring Mon Mothma back. Of course, Mon Mothma was in Return of the Jedi. I don't. I think she may have been an Empire, um, but I know definitely Return of the Jedi. We've seen her in other properties. Um, I'm way more interested in this character now because it's like we're going to do something with her outside of just being like hey it's mon matha remember this character mon matha we're going to keep saying her name so you don't forget it um but i think like now that she's she's part of showing how she's part of the rebellion her husband seems to be such a trash bag and how he's like you know, very much ingrained in the upper crust of the empire, empirical society, I guess. Um, I like the fact she's a conflicted politician here, and I hope they explore her side of things. Do you guys really care about how, like, the political movings and shakings of this of this character? Or is it just like, all right, um, I want to really just see Heisty McHeisterson over here? Well, I, I think it is important because it's, a, you know, Later on in the Clone Wars and Rogue One and Rebels, there's a clear conflict between her and Saw Gerrera oh, okay. um, in terms of ideology. You know and so, yeah, because it's, you know, Saw Gerrera's branch is the extremist kind of part of the rebellion, if you will, and Mon Mothma is a little bit more up for reason. So I feel like hearing her side of things is going to really bring that conflict. And I think we may even find out where the split happened. Um, you know, and those ideologies and, and how they kind of came into conflict a little bit. So, cause I mean, again, they had to send Jin to go talk to Saw Gerrera. They couldn't even send somebody else uh, that he's killed some of their other, some of their people they've sent never came back. Um, so the conflict is there. It's just, I think by hearing her side of it, we're going to get a, a, a stronger sense of why that happened and, and um, 
you know, it's a big reason why the rebellion hadn't succeeded, at least in my opinion, up to up to the events of the original trilogy. So I'm interested in, in figuring that out. Better, Al, any any thoughts on the, uh, you know, getting into the politics, like the political spec, uh, sphere of the rebellion of this time, which is that something we've done a ton in the newer Star Wars. Of course, a lot of Imperial Senate stuff happened in the prequels. Of course, we can blame the Empire on, you know, you shall not be named, uh, mostly because I just forgot the character's goddamn name. Um, Jar Jar Binks. Um, you know, we can, blame, uh... we can blame everything on him. Uh, do you guys care if we get into the political uh, political intrigue of this part of Star Wars? No. I don't. I don't. I, <laughs> no. Again, I I don't care because it's the past, right? And it's like you're again. You're just setting up things that we've seen. Like the reason we're here is to to hit the beats to get to the moment we meet this character, right? So it's like, what are, what else are we learning about Mom Mom Mothra, uh, Moth Mothma on Mothra. Yeah, but there's an M.A. At the, at the yeah, end. it's an M.A. It it's was something you were saying Martha, but... Yeah, I think you're just oh, God, saying Bat- kind of a... Batman and Superman's mom. Let's not do that. Both named Martha. Okay, so... <sighs> anywho, I just... I don't know. I don't... I don't... I'm more interested in the new characters than I am of the, the old characters right now at this point, which is sad, but true. And it's the reason we want new Star Wars things is because we're tired of seeing the Skywalkers and Andors and boba fett's and stuff like we want new and like again it's it's more old (laughs) it's more old like it's more old in the sense of old and not seeing um enough of the old we're we're following one character who was introduced in one movie and now they're sprinkling in like z-list characters from from uh return of the jedi so it's like i'm pumped for ahsoka um (laughs) right yeah. And and Amanda is beyond pumped for Ahsoka because they're going to pick up things from Clone Wars and Rebels. Oh, happened. there was a lot in this episode even feeding into that. I yeah. have a theory. I'm gonna say so, that right, right, my, my So that's my cool. That's cool yeah. in that sense. Yeah. But it's it's just it's very it's it's strange to me how much I don't care about her. Or I and honestly don't even care about Cassian at this point. Now I'm more interested in anyone else. Every new character seems way more interesting than the pre-established ones. Okay. Ben, you want to add to this? Um, well, no, I, I think because there's just a couple of characters that are old, but the majority of people are, are, are new. Um, and the characters that are old, we haven't really, you know, learned much about them. So whether whether they're gonna be interesting or not, we'll see. Um yeah, I, I actually enjoy maybe not even the political side of things, but I, for whatever reason, I kind of like the office politics shit that was going on. That's like when cool. they're, uh, I like that. They're like kind of fighting back and forth about like, oh, I'm not going to give you jurisdiction because I've got jurisdiction. They got to go talk to their boss yeah. and they both sides. And then like the sides, like I was, for whatever reason, maybe people were bored by that, but I just found that fascinating. No, no, I, I felt bad. I didn't have a good transition for that. That's. Uh, Okay, so let's get into our predictions here because, like, that's where I want to ask you guys: Where is that going? Where is the inter-office succession level uh, 
drama. Where is this going? Where do right. we see that going? Here's, where, oh here's where it's going. This Here we go. Dumb, no, this is this is like a dumb theory. Mephisto is the delivery guy. Okay. The dog is the beekeeper. There is going to be so much interdepartment interdepartmental drama that it's going to cause someone to fuck up their job one day and it's to add that little thing in the Death Star where they could blow it up. <laughs> well, it, it, well it's they just, did that Rogue it's, One, though. It's, well, they did neg- that Rogue it's just it's negligence. That's well, it. Well, no, it didn't... Th- okay. Did, Rogue One, like, Matt Mickelson create that as a, yeah. as a, a, a deliberate flaw. Yeah, they already explained that one. I know Al didn't like the movie that much. He probably only watched it once. I did forget. I did forget. Uh, yeah, so um sorry, we all just stop for football for a second. Yeah, um, Tyreek just, just got a bomb. Um just as long as it's not Jalen Watt, I don't care. Um I, I I do agree with Al. I think the 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 stupidity of this inter-office po- politics will cost will lead to rebellion will lead to something more. I 100% agree with that. Um, but Amanda, you had a theory about our disgraced uh, mining dude, uh, who, again, that's a very nebulous idol and character that he is. Yeah. And his mom apparently doesn't like. No. <laughs> I was like, dang, just straight up like, you know. Just just slap slapping him in the face. Just waiting for her to take a shoe off and throw it at him. Um, really? What what's your theory on that guy? So I feel like this is just going way out there. I know, you know, Ben and I have chatted about, you know, what's going to get Cassian to go into really commit to the rebellion. Um, you know, Bix has been thrown out there. Maybe it's his sister, but I, you know, I feel like the guys are the characters that are the strongest, like, you know, gung ho I'm with the system. I got to do everything Right, are the people that tend to turn when they get disillusioned. Um, and this guy is giving me um, Agent Callus vibes. And Callus was the kind of the main antagonist for the earlier seasons of Rebels. He was the the officer that they were, you know, that the, the ghost and the, and their their whole little group was going up against for a bit. And he ultimately, spoiler alert, turns. And joins the side after he's he's been basically he gets disillusioned by the empire he gets used he gets you know and and you know he becomes disillusioned he joins the rebels um i could see this happening with this guy again he's very like you know i'm following the rules we can't let this these deaths go you know i'm trying to climb the ladder here and it's those people who tend to turn and do the most and i i, I feel like he's going to wind up being a reason why cassian commits See, I thought the same thing about the other officer, whose name I don't know, uh, because they didn't do a great. I think I want to say her name was Deirdre. <laughs> uh, she had a very American name, and I was like, yes. "I'm like, okay, do they have someone named Tim also working there? Uh-huh. That'd be great." Um, but I felt like she's the one. Like when they mentioned the 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 Vader box, that I was like, "Oh, she's the one that's that got it out." Like she yeah. helped facilitate. Yeah. I feel like maybe she's the one who's in on it. I feel That's like- why she wants it back so bad. That that was right. my impression too. Yeah, me too. Okay, <laughs> it's we're all with you, Bill. <laughs> Yay! Finally, um, 
So guys, let's talk about our grand conspiracy theories are like where we think this show is going, who's going to make it out, who doesn't make it out, anything you got. Um, ben, I'm going to start with you. Anything you think, uh, any predictions for the series or any wild theories you may have? I haven't done a whole lot of like really forward thinking on the series. I'm kind of just enjoying it in the moment. The only thing that I'm almost 100% sure of is that Saw is going to show up in the next episode because I think that there was a, a brief reference to him yes. when the two, Co- yeah, the two people were... Cousin yeah. referenced them. Yeah. yeah two people talking. <laughs> he's obviously a very threatening guy. Uh, but yeah, he's, um, he's going to pop up in the next one. But I'm trying to just kind of enjoy this one without doing the let me figure out where it's going to go thing. I think, you know, as, as Amanda alluded to, we've kind of hinted a little bit about I don't I don't feel like anybody's going to have happy endings. So I feel like anybody that Cassian probably cares about is probably going to meet an untimely end. And then that's why he's just basically a freelance, you know, cold hearted person where we meet him in Rogue One. So I don't feel like he's going to have anybody waiting for him at home or anybody that he loves or cares about by the time we meet him there. Uh, otherwise he probably would be going on a suicide mission. So it's all going to go badly for everybody, but um, it's going to be interesting to see him get to that point where, you know, the, the intro shot for Rogue One was so shocking because he just kind of offs that guy uh, because he knows he can't you know, leave a loose end. So we're going to get him to a point where he's that Cassian. Uh, for me, Stellan Skarsgård, does not make it out of the season. He is Ned Starking it. Um, I, I think he sacrifices himself to protect Cassian's identity or, or protect Cassian in general. I, I just don't see him. Or he, somehow he gets found out as a, quote unquote, as a traitor. I think that's, that's ultimately what's going to happen with him. Uh, and that's the only theory I have. I do not see a good, he's such a good character. I'm like, no way you're making this out of here, pal. Um, Al, any predictions where you see the series going any wild theories you have out there yeah i mean it it seems that uh stellar skateboards is like the kind of like the role model for him i think he's going to be this like like how do i learn how to be like the cool rogue agent guy that i'm going to be in rogue one um i think he gets that from from just learning from him and then yeah of course he'll definitely die and uh in a pretty heroic way of some sort or, or it could be the opposite and that he could be found out by the empire and get, you know, just killed in that way too. I don't know. I'm excited to see more of that character specifically. Yes. I, uh, or he could, or could he end up in jail and that's a season two plot where they have to get him out. I think he's going to die. Don't worry. But yeah, I, he's definitely, 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 yeah, definitely, definitely death. Definitely death. <laughs> if we've learned anything about star Wars, do you like the character? Probably dead. Yeah, um, apparently, so, he'll get hanged too. They don't do like the beheading thing, like the Ned Stark Game of Thrones or most yeah. people. So they reference that too much in episode three for somebody to not get hanged later. Oh yeah, that's right. I totally forgot about that part. Um, Amanda, you always you've got the deep knowledge here, man. So what do you, what pulls? Yeah. Do you well, first of all, I agree that a lot of our key people that we're getting we're learning about are not going to make it because we would have. It's kind of like again with Rogue One. You knew everybody was not going to make it because they never came up with any of the later Star Wars content. Um, my big thing is this last episode, especially I feel like either maybe end of this season or end of next season. I think I just have to go back and look at when the next season is coming out, but I feel like we're going to get Ahsoka as fulcrum because this last episode was sprinkled with lots of rebels references like, um, little things like, you know, of course I mentioned Ryloth, 
one of the planets, which that's actually the home planet, Hera's home planet. Um, You know, of course, I got excited, of course, the ISB coming out. I mean, the only exposure we've ever had was uh, Colonel Yularen, Um, you know, but but just the 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 um, the artifacts that Luthen has. Oh, my gosh. So many of those were uh, there was one key piece that came out. Um, I don't know if y'all saw it, but it is. It was the little pieces with the hands yeah. on them. Yeah. That those are pieces of a gate that's the world of the world between worlds. Which, if you watched um, Rebels, Ezra teleports using one in a temple, and I think it's the one at Lothal. But it's that's been a hot minute since I've, I've watched that episode. But um, because it's it's the father, of course, the with the uh, the Mortis gods, you know, the father, the son, and the daughter use the daughter's hand to access the portal to the world between worlds. He accesses that portal and he's the one who rescues Ahsoka from her scene, her fight with Vader and basically saves her life. And of course it gets her to the point in Rebels where she's going to get off, go, go off with Sabine looking for Ezra. So seeing that made me pop because I was like, oh my gosh, guys, that's, that's the gate. That's the pieces of a gate, you know, with the world between worlds. Um, and then of course there were also, I want to say, I'm not hundred percent sure on this, but I want to say I saw the Sith and um, Jedi holocron, holocrons or holocrons as well. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. And of course those feature in rebels um, as well. And I mean, those are, those are some big, big pieces. Um, so I'm really kind of reaching here. And of course with the rebellion, there's always fulcrum that, you know, kind of is the one who guides communication and communicates between the cells Um you know, so uh, Callus was fulcrum for a little bit, and then uh, after Ahsoka was, after she relinquishes the role. But, um, but I think just even seeing those little pieces, I think that's significant that he had those, the pieces of the gate there. That's a big Easter egg. That's a big Rebels Easter egg to throw in there, Ahsoka related. So basically, what they could be doing here is they could be kind of testing the waters of easing us into like the Ezra Sabine that and and Ahsoka was a a key part of bringing the different cells together again she's with Fulcrum that was the one anonymous voice if you will that communicated between all the different cells to to coordinate their efforts to attack the empire yeah there is that line he's like are you like this 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 and this he's just like they're all the same to me so like there's all the fronts yeah so, I mean, you could bring in, essentially bring in Ahsoka as Fulcrum before she even gets to the point, Amanda, where we see her. So I, I think you're going to see Ahsoka in some way, shape, or form, because there's, that, again, that common tie, again, with her being there at, at, with the Rebellion coming together. Um, I think those little those little Easter eggs made me very excited, because I'm like, why these particular ones? Yeah. So, and they're Rebels-related. And, of course, there was also, of course, for the Force Unleashed fans, I'm sure, did anybody see Galen... Uh, get Star Killer's armor. Yeah, the the suit of armor that I guess he was pointing at that kind of stood out there for a little bit. That's um, that's the uh, it's the armor that Star Killer oh. wears. Yeah, yeah. It's a, no, the, 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 the the yeah, I was wondering. I'm like, that's weird. Why do they have yeah. armor? Yeah, that's. I want to say I think that's the armor he wears, like in the alternate ending, the dark side, the dark side ending for okay. the force awakens that's pretty yeah. sweet nerd a, over here very yeah. deep cut i love that yeah very i mean deep cut. i think some of it is definitely like we've seen a lot of stuff it's just like hey 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 amanda are you watching good we got that oh, yeah 
Oh, that wall, the wall made me like, I jumped out of my chair seeing that. And I rewound it like three times. I was like, those are the hands. And they're even positioned like the son, the father and the daughter's hands are in the actual. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for this. (laughs) Well, let's get into our overall ratings for this episode, for these four episodes. Unfortunately, Al, no one was dismembered. Like, so we can have various body parts as a rating. So I will go with uh, the Vader box. We'll go with on a scale of one to 10 Vader boxes. How do you rate uh, cumulatively these four episodes? So Ben, uh, like we're going to start with you first. One to 10 and your final thoughts on the first four episodes. So just cumulative over not, not individual. Um, cumulative, yeah. Cumulatively. I'll go with the eight Vader boxes through four episodes um, because I want to leave you know room because I feel like we're going to get into some nine and 10 episodes coming through. Um, I'm especially happy. I didn't dislike the first three episodes, but I was really excited when, you know, he was leaving that planet because, you know, he's about to embark on this crazy, you know, thing that's going to happen the rest of the season and, and kind of getting into the rebellion and starting off with this beautiful heist that's going to take place and go terribly wrong. And the poor, sweet little kid's going to die. Um, so bad. So badly, he's gonna die so bad. Sorry, <laughs> but, I mean, uh, you're getting I mean, roasted by an engine or something like that. It's not. Good. It's not gonna be pretty. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see where it's going. I feel like it's uh, it's exactly what I wanted the show to be, and I'm happy that it's that because I I wanted this serious tone. I didn't want all the playfulness. Uh, I wanted to be a little darker, and and it's delivering on that for me. So I'm happy with it. Uh, Al, what do you got? Uh, uh, the Four episodes all together, one to ten Vader boxes. Your final thoughts? Like seven and a half Vader so boxes. Yeah, I'm 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 very interested. It's just not blowing me away. So I'm ready for like I and I, also too like it's it's a, two, a planned two year show. I don't see every episode like nailing it, but at the same time, it's like they have a complete story. So don't give me a lot of filler. Like let's make this happen. You know what I'm talking about? I agree. I agree. Um, as for me, I'm going to go with the eight as well. I feel that I had, I, I watched two through four almost um, together or in consecutive days. So I felt like I, I got a better experience watching it. Uh, I think the show really, like Ben said, nails a different tone, which I'm all about. Um we need something a little, you know, you need to diversify your portfolio in terms of uh, tone with Star Wars. You know, we've had the Westerns. Boba Fett did not live up to the hype of my Sopranos in space, which I was thought. And I think even Kenobi, as strong as it started, kind of faltered in the middle. It had a very weak center because it was probably going to be a movie and they just stretched that over a longer period. I think this, to me, is the most interesting Star Wars show that has been done outside of the Mandalorian because it is putting it in a whole new genre that I am of a war picture of a spy movie of something that's serious and there's a lot of a lot of um, suspense and a lot of layers and espionage and a lot of things to keep you on your toes and that's not always the case in Star Wars a lot of times it's very straightforward it's battles it's character it's character arcs this is going to be very plot driven and i think very character driven at the same time too so i'm very excited for this series it has not disappointed me so amanda i mean we got to end with you your overall thoughts and your rating on a scale of 1 to 10 beta boxes um i i really have enjoyed the show so far 
Um, you know, I feel like there's there's a, a definitely a, a purpose or intent with the way that it's being written and the way the episodes are being presented. Um, I give it an eight uh, Vader boxes because I think there's definitely still room to to we're we're getting we're getting there. I feel like we're going to really hit this. The you know we always know like mid kind of the middle episodes tend to pick up for Star Wars shows. So um, I, I feel like we're we're getting to that point. And I just I you know I, I really again I love Rogue One. I'm excited we're exploring this part of the universe. And I, I like that we're getting the nitty gritty of the rebellion. Like, how does it impact real people <laughs> at all levels, whether you're poor um, or you're up in Coruscant. So, and you're, you're living the high life, but um, so I, I really, I've really enjoyed it so far. And, and I like that this is, I feel like this is the first show that's not marketed to young adults and kids. Yes. It's definitely not. Um, not that I can't watch it with Seth here, but he's just not as interested in it because there's no, there's no, there's no, you know, as much as I love our sweet baby boy, there's nobody with that marketing. You, you have, um, you know, I, I, I forget the droid's name, but he reminds me of Wally a lot. Yeah. <laughs> the Wally he's, droid. He's definitely um, Wally. Yeah, he's definitely Wally. That whole thing, yeah, that whole scene. Um, his, his little, you know, rolling up. Yeah, that's all Wally, but. Um, that's the closest we have, but I really, I feel like the dialogue, the, the look of the different, you know, the settings, uh, the different planets we're visiting, everything's very tailored to an adult audience. And I, I appreciate that having something that, you know, again, with a heist, the spy thriller, something that as an adult, I enjoy. Yes. So I'm here for it. So I'm, I'm going to say eight Vader boxes and it's going to get better, even better. <laughs> I agree. Guys, thank you so much for joining us in a galaxy far, far away. But before we get out of here, like we do in every single episode, we are going to uh, plug our social media and give a little pop culture recommendation about uh, something you should be checking out. So, uh, Ben, uh, you've got a lot of stuff coming up on the pop break. Your commanders are a thing. Let's tell people where people could find you on social media and, you know, any recommendations you might have. Did you say the commanders are a thing? They're a thing. They, I mean, they exist. They're, they're barely, barely a football team. Uh, yeah. At, so, and that, with that in mind, at BD Murkison, uh, Instagram and Twitter, Twitter, just me being angry every Sunday. So if you want to be entertained by somebody being miserable, that is I. Fun. Um, as far as uh, something I got coming up. Um, so yeah, the, the Andrew review is out there. I'm trying to to write a review right now on uh, a, a movie that I you know wanted to do a little bit earlier, but uh, Do Revenge is um, is out there. Uh, I, as a disclaimer, I watch Do Revenge solely because I'm a Sarah Michelle Gellar stand, so I watch anything she's in. And so once I found out she was involved, I was all about it. But uh, having watched the movie, um, I can recommend it. It was entertaining. It it started off as like a kind of a cliche thing of a bunch of, you know, popular young people that I don't really know that well, but they're in every show that you, you know, would watch if you're a young person, you, euphoria, outer banks. Um, it's got, uh, the stranger things girl. So it's, it's got a lot of young so cast. Maya Hawk. Maya Hawk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like daughter of Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawk. One of the I mean, most yeah, exciting big... young actresses like around, but yeah, yeah. but I'm old. It was right? a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah. So little, it was basically a little Tarantino movie. Small it, part. Small part. It, uh, so basically it starts off kind of just like cliche, like over the top cheesy. I wasn't into it. Then in the middle, it was like, all right, I kind of like this because it's referencing all these, uh, you know, comedies of stuff of my day, like the teen movies, like it's got, she's all that never been kissed the craft, like 10 things I hate about you and me girls, like all those movies are kind of thrown into this thing. Um, and then 
it takes like this weird turn, like in the last third of it that like, I wasn't really expecting that was, you know, kind of dark and uh, I really dug it. Like, so overall, definitely recommend the movie. If you're a San Francisco Geller fan, like myself, hundred uh, percent, but otherwise it's also good. Amanda, uh, tell us about Mission Pro Wrestling. Plug all your stuff and let us know any recommendations you might have. So um, my personal Instagram, I am at Mandalorian, and I just go around doing, you know, usual, you know, checking out shows, anime, Star Wars, all the things. Um, so y'all are welcome to follow me there. Mission Pro Wrestling, we are at all on all social media platforms at Mission Pro Wrestling. Our next show is actually December 10th, and it is Silver Bells 2. Uh, this is our second second show, our second Silver Bells themed show. And um, it is located, it is here in San Antonio as well. It is also going to benefit uh, the, the Salvation Army. And we are also partnering again with the Hybrid School of Wrestling. So um, check us out. You can either come check us out in person or stream live on Title Match. Tickets are out there right now at missionprowrestling.com. And um, my pop culture recommendation, I know they just wrapped up their tour, um, but I saw on Saturday Collective Soul with Switchfoot. And highly recommend both bands. Highly. Um, it's the first time I'd seen them live. And I'm I'm the collective soul half, whereas you know, significant other is the switchfoot half. And so I'd never seen switchfoot. I, I knew a couple of their songs, but it was it, it I mean, whole different. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I'm a fan now because they both are excellent bands. They did a great job in engaging the audience. Played a, a good mix of new, uh, new content and you know some of their classics. And oh my gosh, if y'all get a chance to see either band live, um, please do it. They are fantastic. Easily one of my top five concerts of all time, and I'm picky about my concerts. Um, so check them both out. I want to say I know Collective Soul has new music out, and it's I've heard the CD is pretty good. And um, I think and Switchfoot does as well. So um, check out check out their albums, and it's good stuff. Yep, you could check out my interview with Ed Rowland of Collective Soul from a few years ago, where we end up talking about Kiss and um, owning dogs. It definitely took a turn. It was really awesome. Um, Alphonse, uh, where can people find uh, all your great photo work and uh, plug some stuff? Because there's like a million things I'm sure you want people to check out. You can see my photos of Collective Soul from like six years ago on the thepopbreak.com. <laughs> I don't know if you actually shot them or not. I did. They opened for uh, who? They opened for was that PNC? Uh, Goo Goo Dolls. That's right. That's so cool. Great show. Really Saw good them show. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So you can find me at Al Manorino on Twitter and Instagram. You can see my photos of uh, the Shins. You can see my photos of My Chemical Romance, which was amazing. Uh, what a great show. He's not all right. I was not. I'm not. I'm not okay. Um, you can listen to this podcast every week if you want. Not your dad. And then, uh, yeah, pop culture yeah. recommendation. Uh, I've probably said this before, but I'm gonna say it again because I'm seeing them next week. One of my favorite bands on the on the planet, literally top two, top three live bands touring right now. It's a band called Turnstile, and their album Glow On is, from start to finish, one of my favorite albums of all time. It's insane how good this album is, uh, and it's even better live. Holy shit. Uh, they're playing at the Stone Pony Summer Stage uh, next week. I'm so excited to see them. Um, yeah, Turnstile. Go listen to it. 
put them on for like when you're on a run or at the gym or just doing dishes. It's great. As for me, I am at Bodkin Writes. If you must follow me on social media, it's a lot of wrestling references. No one's going to get. And of course, talking about thepopbreak.com, which I mentioned at the top of the show, celebrating 13 years. Uh, we've had an amazing run with covering music over the past month. Um, shout out everyone from My Comical Romance and Green Day and The Shins and Nine Inch Nails and Lord and Arctic Monkeys uh lcd sound system and the goddamn gorillas at the forum in la yes where the showtime lakers played um so we've done all that but there's also great podcasts you can check out there's great movie reviews television reviews and even though they're not as prolific as they once were comic book anime pro wrestling all sorts of great stuff that's happening over there go to thepopbreak.com every single day check out us out at the pop break on instagram and twitter of course pop break tv and the winner still is way too early Oscar podcast and the breakcast hubs on all your favorite social media platforms. As for my recommendation, I've literally forgotten what I was going to recommend like the last four times. So I'm just going to say, I just wrote a piece on the poprate.com about house of the dragon. It's pretty great. It's literally just kind of put game of Thrones in the rear view at this point. It has become its own destination prestige television it has an absolutely mind-blowing increase in viewership every single week, which no show really ever does, but it keeps growing every single week. It is absolutely riveting stuff. It's uh, not the sword and spectacle that Game of Thrones was on the regular, but it's literally a Game of Thrones. It's a great family drama. Matt Smith, Patty Constantine are amazing, as are... Um, um, uh, Olivia Cook and Emma DRC, who just took over in a time, they did a time jump in the middle of the series and replaced half the cast. It's absolutely bonkers, but they pulled it off every Sunday, HBO, HBO Max. So next week, join us as Al Manorino, myself, and Melissa Jobin, and maybe a special guest, still to be determined, head back into the late 90s and early 2000s UK scene to talk about our favorite television show spaced directed by edgar wright starring simon Pegg and nick frost so till then thank you for joining us about cassian andor and his adventures in the star wars universe <laughs> <laughs>